Welcome to the Sticker Stories podcast brought to you by StickerGiant.com. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome. And if you're a regular listener, thanks for your continued support. In this podcast, we interview our customers to hear their founder stories. We talk business, marketing, and of course, stickers and labels. Sticker Giant is the fastest way to print high-quality stickers and labels for your business or organization. We offer one- to two-day turnaround on a wide variety of sticker and label products, and we offer custom shapes at no extra charge. We will even set up your artwork so it's ready to print. Once again, you can find us at StickerGiant.com. Hello and welcome back to the Sticker Stories podcast. My name's Hamish and I'll be your host for this episode. I'm very happy to introduce our guest, Michael Memsick, co-founder and CEO of Sinitas Brewing located in Boulder, Colorado. Michael, welcome to the show. Um, please kick things off by just introducing yourself and Sinitas to our listeners. Awesome. Uh, thanks for having me today. Um, I, my, as you mentioned, my name is Michael Memsick, um, co-founder CEO of Sinitas Brewing Company. We're a brewery located here in Boulder, Colorado, and um, or I should say just down the road here in Boulder, Colorado. And what was my next question? Where am I going from there? Yeah, just what's your um, what's your background? So how did you, you know, sure. get into brewing and what led you to, you know, the point where you actually started Sinitas? Awesome. So for me, um, I fell into beer pretty early, uh, in, at least in my professional career. I was a student at CU uh, here in Boulder and early on had kind of two, maybe three goals and focuses, one being beer, one being skiing, and one being um chasing girls and turns out I was pretty good at skiing and pretty good at beer um, I'll leave it at that for <laughs> the moment but um, found this passion for craft beer and drinking craft beer and was chasing a lot of it and when I was 19 years old a buddy of mine and I went to the local homebrew shop which is no longer there and we're looking for parts for a kegerator guy um, who was running the homebrew shop at the time said, hey, you guys ought to try brewing your own beer. And it was kind of one of those life epiphanies of like, well, wait a second, what do you mean brew our own beer? Like machines do that and Budweiser does that. How can we do that? And a few hours later, we're at home brewing our first batch of beer. And from there, I, I caught the bug pretty hard and almost became a bit obsessed. Um, and by the time I was in my senior year, back talking, <clears throat> excuse me, with the same homebrew shop owner, and he told me that Oscar Blues up in Lyons, which was a unheard of tiny little brewery at the time, might be looking for a guy to work on the canning line. And um, I went up there, and then by the end of the day, I had a job on the canning line at Oscar Blues. Uh, that was in 2002, and I was one of the first few people hired there to work on the canning line. Um, and during that time period, every time I would brew beer and every time I'd be involved with that, my attitude was, someday I'm gonna own a brewery. I don't know how, I don't know why, I'm gonna be a brewer and I'm gonna own a brewery someday. And um, I never really lost sight of that, and that's, remained a, a huge focus and goal. Um, after a year at Oscar Blues, I did nine years with Boulder Beer and was able to transition through them and get to become a founder of Sanitas. 
Awesome. So that's, that's like a passion project that, you know, you from the beginning, got your first job and then took it from, uh, you know, working on the canning line, I guess, maybe become a junior brewer at that point and then exactly. kind of worked your way up. Exactly. Great. And w so you always had this idea to, um, you know, found Sanitas. How did you, um, you know, go about making that sort of split from Boulder Beer and setting up your own shop? Beg, borrow and steal. Um, we raised money every which way. Uh, my partner and I, Chris Coyne, uh, was also a brewer at Boulder Beer. So um, although to a lot of people, brewing is a really sexy industry, it is not a high paying industry. And so neither of us had huge savings accounts or trust funds or anything, no rich uncles, anything cool like that. So we um, sold equity in the business, took friends and family money, we got a loan with the Small Business Association, SBA, and through a local uh, bank, both here in Boulder and in Longmont, or I guess here in Longmont and in Boulder, and uh, which is Flatirons Bank. And then we maxed out credit cards and did everything we could. Um, so that was really, you know, it was write a business plan, agree on some principles, get as much money together as humanly possible, and then go for it. And did you um, move straight into your current facility or were you set up? Yes. You moved straight yep. into where you are right now. Our only location to date. Cool. And um, I mean, obviously financing was a was that, that big challenge for you to begin with. Are there any other um, you know tips you might have for startups and small businesses when, when they get going that you maybe wish you'd known when you first started? Cash flow is a nightmare. Um, cash flow is always a challenge, especially in a manufacturing industry equipment costs more than you think it's going to or at least it did cost us more than we thought it was going to um hitting payroll every month is a challenge um but i would say that in the beginning and even still today um cash flow management is one of the biggest challenges that <clears throat> i don't think i was prepared for and i've had to learn that via hard knocks just making mistakes and getting better over and over again um, and I would say one of the coolest things that I really didn't expect at all is employees. I knew that I would have, that we would have employees and we would have people that would work for us, but I had no idea that I would get the opportunity to create kind of a micro community within the Boulder community. And that has... Um, a tremendous amount of reward back that there are people whose livelihood is based on us continuing to be successful. And um, it, it's it's a really, really cool thing for me. Yeah, it's. Um, I think it's definitely something I could relate to being here at Sticker Giant. You know, your coworkers, your employees very quickly become a, a family and you're all in it together to, to make your business successful. Unequivocally. I think that's a, a really good um, segue to, to kind of talk about traction and EOS. Yeah. Um, if you could um, kind of explain to our listeners a little bit about those two things, um, I'm sure they'd be very interested to, to hear that. So I first learned about or heard about uh, traction maybe two, two and a half years ago. And it was kind of a serendipitous time period when two or three, um, one was an investor, one was our attorney, and one was a mentor of mine, all brought up traction. And at the time, I was geeking out really hard on just any business book. If you recommended it, 
I would read it. And I was getting to a burnout phase. And what I was really looking for was what to do. I'm reading all these books. I'm getting inspiration. I'm going back to my team and doing a lot of rah, rah, rah and trying to get people super psyched on whether it was a new concept, a new strategy, or just being in business in and of itself. And I wasn't getting the results, or as I would change to call it, traction from my my drive. And from my perspective, on a very simple level, traction is just a toolbox to run a business. It's not that complicated. It's not, you don't have to be brilliant or a PhD of business to understand it. It simplifies the system and it doesn't try to do outrageous things or use outrageous terms. It really just kind of gives you a step-by-step system to what you're going to do. And it, it starts with long-term goals and it breaks it all the way down and what do you do this week. And other systems and other programs have talked about that. And I'm sure that there are other programs out there that work phenomenally for other companies. But for us, it was really cool to have an implementer ask us, where do you want to be in 10 years? It doesn't have to be specific, but on a kind of a big holistic level, where do you want to be in 10 years? And we told him, And he's like, okay, great. Now we back down all the way into what we do this week. And I was like, yeah, simple for you to say. And he's like, no, it is simple for me to say. Um, With traction, uh, I know that there are some people who self-implement. We tried self-implementing for a little while. I feel very fortunate to have an implementer. Um, We work with a guy, Richard Palmer Smith, uh, he's a local Boulder guy as well, does a lot of work in Colorado, and he's been a massive asset in just kind of calming down and sticking to the basics. Um, so I, I highly encourage at least the, the, the first 90-minute session and checking out what, what an implementer can do and, and how it can affect a business. Yeah, I, th- I think so. It's something uh, we've also experienced, you know, taking the, the vision, but then having somebody who's very practically orientated to, you know, really nail down that that process and say, you know, this is our proven process. We've spent a lot of time talking about yeah, stuff like that. For and sure. then that enables you to teach your employees about the proven process. So it's not you always worrying about it because everybody in the business kind of knows the, the steps they have to take and knows their responsibilities. Yeah, absolutely. The... Um, you know, the simplicity of some of these pieces and not trying to just simplifying things and not, not trying to overwork them or even try to oversimplify. And for me, one of the things that I've absolutely loved is accountability. And I think for quite a, quite a few years and really the majority of our beginning, myself and then Chris, my co-founder, the two of us tried to be Superman. And we're still guilty of it. We still do it all the time. But as we continue to go down this path with traction and get better and better at it, we're able to pass a lot of these responsibilities and off to our staff 
and our staff wants that. They like that. They want to do more. They want to work hard. They want to feel like they've done a good job at the end of the day. They don't want to do a boring remedial task and just go home and come back tomorrow while we bust our asses trying to get the get the job done. They want to bust their ass too. And now we, we're learning and continuing to learn how to give them systems so that they can work really hard and accomplish things and feel that they made a big impact on what our business does. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, empower that uh, responsibility and decision making onto your employees. And then, you know, that's one less thing that you have to worry about. For sure. Absolutely. Great. I think um, another good topic, I guess, to touch on um, is maybe the the scorecard concept um, and level 10 meetings. I know that's something we've been wrapping our heads around in the last sort of 12 to 15 months. And we've found it's given us a tremendous power to, you know, actually take those weekly tasks and turn them into, you know, monthly tasks and quarterly, and then obviously hit your, you know, yearly and get to that 10 year plan. Absolutely. Um, I, I think that the level 10 is the easiest and the most important piece of traction. At least it has been for our business. And I, I used to run and participate in a whole bunch of meetings every single week. And I would come out of them with huge to-do lists and I would rant and rave. And I didn't know that sometimes the meetings would be 45 minutes, sometimes they'd be four and a half hours long. There was no consistency and everyone, I would come out of what I thought was a great meeting and the rest of the staff would come out feeling like they just got the shit kicked out of them. And I'm not, I don't know if I'm supposed to say that or not, but it's happening. We can try and bleep it out. It's happening. So these guys would all be exhausted and feeling overwhelmed because I would be doing this whole thing and basically lecturing at the staff. And I wasn't getting the results that I needed. Um, level 10 simplifies in a huge way. We're not the best at not staying to 90 minutes, but we sure as hell try. Um but having that scorecard is such a uh, an important and huge piece. Um, so we now have scorecards for each department, um, which is something that we've been implementing this quarter. We had a company scorecard, and now we've trickled down into uh, the the departmental scorecards. And it is I love the analogy of the you're on the island. And you don't get you, you have no contact with your business, but once a week the carrier pigeon's gonna show up with one sheet of paper. So what are the five to ten values that you know if you see you're calm and you know that your business is okay from the last week and that things are going in the right direction for the next week? And it is uh, it's a great, simple, clean way to to measure the business. We didn't do, I think we, we were very aspirational in our first couple rounds of scorecard and we've calmed that down and we've become more simplified with it and we're, we're hitting our goals and we're accomplishing things and they're the goals that we need to keep driving us in the right direction. So I'm a huge, huge fan of that. 
Yeah, and I, I think for any of our, our sort of business listeners out there who might be thinking about this, it's like find five things that are the real vital signs of your business. For sure. Don't try and do too much. Like you said, you can overcomplicate it and you get too caught up looking at the numbers. You know, find those five key metrics and be like, we're going to measure this every week. Are we on or off track? Are we good? Great. If not, take it to a level 10. Why are we off track? What are we doing wrong? How do we right. do things better? And it's really easy, at least it was for us, to create these aspirational numbers. You know, we have these big goals and, okay, massive goal, and we're going to hit this huge revenue number. We're going to make a, a bazillion barrels of beer this week. And we weren't, we weren't hitting our numbers. And we go back to our implementer and we sit down with Richard, or RPS as I, I call him, and um, we sit down with RPS, and I'm like, yeah, we, we suck at the scorecard. And he's like, no, you suck at making a scorecard. You don't suck at getting doing a scorecard. You, you set yourself up where you couldn't be successful. You need to set yourself up to be successful, and then you will be successful. And, you know, he says things like that to me, and I'm just like, you make it sound so easy. Um, and as I think about it and simplify it, it can be that easy. I think it's, yeah, the classic, you know, goals have to be achievable, otherwise they become demotivating and they don't actually help For you. For sure. Because if you're not hitting stuff, it's like, oh, this is just permanent disappointment. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I think we could we could probably rap about traction um, for, you know, hours, but let's um, let's keep things moving, I think. Um, for sure. Just for any of our listeners and stuff out there as well. Um, so the book is called Traction by Gino Wickman. Yep. Uh, he also does a, a slightly simplified version, which is called What the Heck is EOS?, Yep. Um, there's also some really good YouTube videos on um, how to run a level 10 meeting. Um, we used to watch that at the beginning of our level 10 meetings. Oh, yeah, cool. We would watch it every week for like seven weeks in a row until everybody was like, all right, sweet, we've got the agenda. We understand why we're doing this. For sure. Um, so, yeah, I would definitely invite anybody who's interested in this to, yeah, check out YouTube as a first port of call and then those two As another piece, as well. too, to, to chip in, um, if you're the the typical visionary and you love the big ideas and to storm in with crazy ideas, Rocket Fuel is another one of Gino's books. Um, it, it's awesome. That That's my favorite of of the books that I've read of his. Um, not saying, not trying to undervalue either of the other two, but uh, Rocket Fuel is a really cool book too. Cool. Yeah. And um, so in terms of growth, how has something like Traction helped you as you've brought on you know, more employees and, and you've got a little bigger. I think that um, what Traction has is doing or as we're continuing to move forward and pr progress, it's helping us pinpoint what we're doing and how we're going to get to the next phase. I don't know that Traction has driven us to a place yet, but what I feel more than anything is we had, I love using the bus analogy from Jim Collins um, and right people, right seat and all that other shenanigans. I shouldn't say shenanigans, but shenanigans. Um, and I was driving a bus with a dirty windshield and a bunch of kids jumping around in the back of the seat, yelling and screaming and nothing. We didn't know what we were doing. And I didn't even know what road we're going down. And I had this like, off in the distance, we were going to drive through the mountains. And I'm like in the middle of Kansas and I have no idea where I'm going. <laughs> and what we really focused on over our last 12 months with traction specifically is saying, okay, 
let's calm down, let's organize, and let's learn how to grow. We got we got going, we opened, and we sprinted to close to where we are today and landed there about two, two and a half years ago and have spent a lot of time spinning wheels and not being entirely sure what were our strategies and how we were going to get to the next place. And that's one of the big things that we've worked on is, okay, this is where we are. We can't change where we are. We can change where we're going. And that's been been huge for us, especially with the changes in, in craft beer over the last two, three years. Great. No, I think that's a, that's a really good tip there. Um, and again, I think we, we've chatted about the business side of things um, and we can kind of circle back to beer um, and, and, and marketing as well, I think, because Colorado is just, you know, it's a, like a beer capital of America. So many craft breweries and things Absolutely. like that. So how do you kind of go about differentiating yourself from, you know, everything else that's out there? It's, it's a massive challenge. Um, when I got into this industry, it, it was a completely different game. And then in the, you know, 2005, 2008, we saw in that range, I don't, I don't know to pinpoint exactly when it was, we saw craft beer explode. And some brewers who had been smaller brewers, who had been home brewers, got caught fire. And they, they turned into big businesses. And they they went from getting beer out to their town and a little bit further from their town, kind of like the donut effect of their brewery, just like that circle around, to shipping beer across the country and shipping beer across the world. And, I mean, we're seeing local breweries send beer all over the world now. And it's completely uncharted territory. With that, we're included in it. We had an explosion of breweries. Um, excuse me, we're just shy of 7,000, 6,600, 6,800 breweries now in the United States. Uh, I believe last number I heard was 406 or so in Colorado. Wow, that's a um, number. And there's not, there's, they're predominantly located here on the Front Range. And so it's really busy and it's changed. And the consumer is continuing to drink a little bit more craft beer every year. But we're opening breweries and we're creating more volume than they can keep up with or that their growth rates are keeping up with. So it's a um, it's a really challenging world. And another component that has really... I feel like changed in the last couple of years is the new flavor of the week concept. We, five, ten years ago in this industry, we saw people gravitate towards one to two primary SKUs from a brand or from a brewery, and they would have a little bit of their seasonal but pretty much your IPA drove your business, or for a lot of people, your amber ale or pale ale drove your business, and you had a seasonal that would also add a little bit of flair, and maybe you had one or two summer seasonals and one or two winter seasonals, and that was kind of all you needed. Um, And now we've seen with this explosion of breweries, Literally, there are breweries in Colorado that are releasing two to three new beers a week. 
and it's insanity. And people, a lot of consumers are going to the liquor store and every time they buy, they want to try something new. And that old trusty, I shouldn't say old, but that that skew that has been around for 10, 20 plus years that they know is probably going to be about the same. They're like, yeah, I've had that. I want to try something new. And our process for for really driving that and trying to participate in that has been our partnership with with you guys and with Sticker Giant in particular. So we're buying blank cans. Um, Blank cans are faster for us to get in general. Uh, The price point is a little bit less and we don't have to buy full truckloads necessarily. Or we're also doing some where we're able to share that, that cost with some other friend brewers. And we're able to get stickers really quickly um, and we're able to change out our labels so we can make somewhat of impulse decisions or fast business decisions to get new beers out and into the market and hopefully catch that consumer with, oh, I've never had that. I should try that and, and get that flow going. So that's how we're, that's one of our big strategies right now and what we're, how we're partnering with Sticker Giant. Um, to try and stay really creative. Yeah, I think that's a it's a really interesting point. Actually, this the ability to print labels quickly and you know change up your cans. Yeah, the working with uh, Crown or Ball on large orders, you end up with two three hundred thousand cans per order, and it doesn't give you the flexibility. It doesn't give a brewery of our size, and we're still really small. It doesn't give us the opportunity to be as flexible. We have to make a 12 to 24 month commitment to that skew, and we can make commitments to you guys for 150 to 200 cases of a new skew. And if it goes over really well, we can make more of it. And if it doesn't, it doesn't hit a home run for us, then we don't have to bring it back and we can react that quickly. I'm sure your brewers love it. They get a little more freedom. It's not that big leap. They love it and they hate it. They hate it because it's like, new this, new this, new this. And they're like, fuck, man, just let me do what I'm good at. And it's like, well, let's keep being creative. It's almost like forcing creativity, which I'm not supposed to say that. But um, it, it is. it has been fun and it's been it's been cool to stay creative this year. Yeah, I think from a, like you said, from a business point of view, you can trial something, you're not committing to huge orders of inventory and spending loads of money, and then if it takes off, it's like, all right, awesome, let's just make more of it. Right, and 48 hours um, for turnaround on stickers, which has been about where we're landing, um, is way different than, I think, Crown right now, who is our can manufacturer, I think they're 16 to 18 weeks out. So it's a totally different game. Totally different game. Yeah, and I, I guess that's probably even quicker than something like shrink sleeves or anything like that, which yep, maybe the falls sleeves, somewhere in the middle. The shrink sleeves, we also use that product, and they've been a great product for us. And that's falling in the 5 to 10 week window. Um, especially lately, there's been a bit of an aluminum crisis. Uh, I don't want to get political, um, but... There's, it's been a challenge to get aluminum lately, and so those those cans are have slowed down significantly. Yeah, I can see that being a challenge as well. Yeah. 
Um, all right. So what's what's next? Um, we're kind of midsummer 2018. Yeah. Um, what have What have you got planned? Any cool festivals, things like that, where people could find you? Yeah, we just had our biggest party of the year. Um, two weeks ago, we had Taco Fest. Taco Fest, we blow up our whole backyard. We've got luchadors, wrestling, and bands, stuff like that. I imagine it will come back again next year. And regardless of us or anything, if you're listening and you get an opportunity to go watch luchadors, wrestling, do it. It's incredible. It's hilarious. It's wildly entertaining. I highly recommend it. Uh, it's on my bucket list for my next trip to Mexico. Um and then our anniversary party is September 8th. On uh, September 8th, we'll be five years old. So we're going to try and do some fun stuff with some fun beers, probably get a band or two together and um, just try and have a good time. And then really we're kind of at that, that midpoint of the summer, a little past our midpoint, where we're just trying to continue to execute our 2018 goals. Um, for us, I spend... Q4 with a lot of energy into what's what's going to happen for 2019 and really try to look at the results of summer. One of our big ones, obviously, with all these new stickers and these new cans is how did that work? What did it really do? Did it feel good and the numbers are good? Were the numbers good and it was a nightmare? Like what, what do we really want to make of how our summer went because our bread and butter is summertime. We make significantly more beer in the summer and significant portion of our revenue. And then it comes down to focusing on our tap room, having some great events going into winter, um, partnerships that we want to work on for 2018 and into 2019. Um, we already have a couple of those lined up right now, which I'm super excited about beers that were and brands that we're collaborating with. Uh, this year, we did a collaboration with La Sportiva, who's a neighbor of ours. For 2018, the end of 2018 and into 2019, we're going to be working with POW or Protect Our Winters. They're a nonprofit that's really focused on climate change and becoming more political on encouraging people to vote for the climate. And um, it's something that that we're really passionate about as individuals and as a company. So. That's a, a, a really fun, fun thing that we get to do. And then continuing to push and to grow and um, see where we can find new, new gaps in the market and um, stay relevant. I mean, that that's, all sounds great. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to your anniversary party. We'll, yeah, we'll absolutely. That'll be a fun one. Drink some beers. It sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, five years is that uh, sort of big milestone, I guess, first. Uh, I guess it's a few people have mentioned that to me recently. And I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 that's cool and all. Um, I've never been good at really celebrating those types of accomplishments. For me, I'm focused on next year and driving and, and where we're going to get to. And um, I should probably spend a little more time just like maybe in the corner, calm, looking at a wall and being like, yeah, five years is cool and stuff like that. I'm too antsy and get focused on what the next big cool thing that we might be able to accomplish is. So, um, but well, it is. It's your job as the kind of visionary to constantly be looking forward. You can't pause for too long to pat yourself on the back because business doesn't stop. I know. No, nobody really cares that we're five years old. Um, I'm happy that we're we're here. I'm happy that we've made it to this point. 
Um, I'm happy that we're in business and we're we're strong and we can keep moving forward and we get to try and chase after some some new challenges um, and you know look forward to ten or whatever the next hurdle or milestone really looks like. Yeah, now it's the you've done the five years. We've got to finish the ten year plan and right. know, keep those yeah. keep those steps yeah. going to reach those goals. Five years is hit. Great, awesome. So what? Here we go. We gotta keep moving. Well, that's awesome. Well, um, I know we're we're kind of coming to the end of our time right now. Yeah. So if you'd like to just shout out like your social media handles, tell people where they can find you, so yeah. um, you know people can you know keep in touch with your story, maybe come and have a beer sometime. We're the at Sunitas Brewing for pretty much everything. Um, so you can find us on all the social. I don't know if my social team has us on MySpace currently, but um, <laughs> you can definitely find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, and then you can come visit us in the tap room. We've got a big, beautiful tap room with a huge outdoor patio uh, in Boulder at the corner of Folsom, or not Folsom, at Pearl and Foothills Parkway. And um, we're open every day, uh, 11.30 to 10 or 11 o'clock at night. So it's a fun space to come and catch us there. And you can pick up our cans in most liquor stores up and down the Front Range. Awesome. Well, Michael, thank you so much for joining Absolutely. us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And sharing your sicker story. You know, it's really fascinating to, to talk to another EOS and traction company and hear how you've kind of grown over the last five years. So um, to our listeners, if you'd like any more information on the topics we've covered, there'll be, um, you know, links and information available at stickergiant.com slash podcast. You can also download uh, um, the episode there and all of our other episodes. So there's plenty of other great content from uh, previous customers we've had on. Thanks for tuning in today. And remember... Every sticker has a story. What's yours? Thanks for listening to the Sticker Stories podcast brought to you by StickerGiant.com. You can download us on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you enjoyed, please leave us a review. It helps us reach new listeners and share our customers' sticker stories. Interested in ordering your own custom stickers or labels with us? Use the coupon code PODCAST when you check out to take 20% off your order. Until next time, we'll see you on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest at username StickerGiant.